with affluent clients, when you really can take a deep dive into your own lifestyle, look at the things you love. I have a client who loves horseback riding. She had given up horseback riding because her business was taking too much time. And I said, where have you gotten most of your fabulous clients? You know, the clients that are giving you two homes and you're working in Chicago and then you're flying down to Florida. And she said, huh, hmm, they've all come from riding. I said, go get a horse. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your business? Then welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast, helping home professionals and luxury brands accelerate their success with proven marketing strategies and expert industry practices. Now, here's your host, Darla Powell. This podcast is brought to you by Wingnut Social, a digital marketing agency for interior designers, architects, contractors, and adjacent verticals. For more information, go to wingnutsocial.com. Hey there, welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, the Grand High Poobah of all things Wingnut, Darla Powell. And today we are going to be joined by Melissa Galt of Design Business Mastery, who is going to talk to us all about how to attract, gain, and get paid by affluent clients. All right, before we get into the show, we have some housekeeping. Don't forget, February 24th at 11 a.m., Wingnut Social is hosting the amazing Linda Holt of lindaholt.com in a free webinar, and the topic is how to take magazine-worthy smartphone photos. During this webinar, Linda Holt of Linda Holt Creative will share clear actionable steps to immediately improve your smartphone images. Learn how to use your smartphone more like a digital camera and the best way to get straight lines, strategies for mastering lighting, and must-have editing apps. That's right. Free webinar, February the 24th at 11 a.m. You can sign up at wingnutsocial.com slash podcast. Look for this episode number 252 with Melissa Galt. And in the show notes will be the little linky, or you can follow us on Instagram at Wingnut Social, and you'll see all the deets there, link in the bio. We look forward to seeing you there. It's uh, been very popular so far, a lot of signups, so get in there before it books completely. And this is going to be something we're going to be doing on a monthly basis here, these free webinars with some of our top guests, our top-rated guest in our next webinar host is going to be no other than the fabulous Stacy Martin of the Fresh Maker Design. She was a guest on episode 250 and she walked us through her systems and processes with how to create a design presentation that just blows your clients away. She told us in her interview, and you can listen to that wingnutsocial.com slash podcast, that she closes about 95% of her design presentations without any pushback from clients. It's just like, yep, go ahead, start designing. She's going to walk us through her, the way she does it, what that looks like, and you'll be able to see it because, you know, webinar on Zoom, visuals and all that. So wingnutsocial.com or again, follow us on Instagram where you'll see all the updates for all these webinars and and the latest on what's going on over there in the wingnut world, wingnutsocial.com. All right. Y'all know what time it is. It's time for Men in News. Men in News Sesh. Yeah. yeah. All right. Welcome back. Abigail Weidman, social media manager extraordinaire at Wingnut Social. Pinterest is trying out something new. And what is it? Yeah. So we all know that Pinterest has served as a great place for creating mood boards and finding all of your interior design inspiration for quite some time now. But 
Pinterest recently unveiled that they are launching a new augmented reality feature called Try On for Home Decor. Oh, okay. So this is something similar. I, I did say they're trying out something new. So it's not entirely new because they had, before they had the thing where you could try on like little lipsticks and stuff. You could put your face in the frame and, and try on the color. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so what is this seems like a step up? What is this? Yeah. So like I said, this is basically just like that, but for home decor. So it's not your face. If you're looking to use this feature, you can only use it on your iOS or Android. So Smartphone users, this is for you, but you'll just click the try in your space button on your phone and a little lens will pop up and you'll be able to see the object in your home. So it's super interesting. You know, it sounds really cool to me. I I know a lot of um, vendors like Crate and Barrel, Mm -hmm. Target, Walmart, Wayfair have teamed up with Pinterest in order to do this. You can just, oh, what is that sofa going to look in my living room? Kind of do that. I, I will say that I've seen buzz about this on some of the forums in social media for the interior design groups. And they're a little prickly. They're a little nervous that it's going to be, uh, I'm not going to say the name of the software, but there was a, a home-based software that would make designers content shoppable for other vendors. And I won't mention the name, <coughs> but um, <laughs> <laughs> have we seen anything in these press releases that indicate that that's going to be the thing or it's just a TBD kind of situation? So we haven't seen anything in particular pertaining to that software you're referring to, but I I (laughs) suspect that we might. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah. So it remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. And on another note, a lot of clients are coming to me and they're they're over Pinterest is just becoming too noisy, too commercial, too shoppable. So, and that's my thoughts also. (laughs) (laughs) Not related, but this does sound kind of cool. If you're shopping and you're looking for a piece of furniture for your space, are they going to start tagging Darla Powell Interiors pins and and selling wafer products from it? Let's hope not. (laughs) We'll have to see. (laughs) We'll have to see. All right, Abigail Weidman, thanks again for joining us. Of course. Thank you. Mini news sash. Yeah. Okay. Thanks again, Abby, for the mini news. Now let's get into my interview with Melissa Gall. But first, you know, I have to tell you all about her. Melissa Gall is the interior design business coach and marketing mentor for ambitious designers who want to earn more in less time with less stress. She's coached and trained designers nationwide into sustainable strategic business systems and processes while maximizing their time for creative work and client connection. Melissa has over 25 years in her own successful residential interior design practice. And in fact, design is in her genes. Iconic architect Frank Lloyd Wright is her great grandfather. How cool is that? Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Melissa Galt to the show. Hey there, Melissa Galt. Welcome to the podcast. How the hell are you? I am fantastic, Darla. Whoa, high energy. Dang, you just blew me out of my seat right here. All right, today we're going to talk about one of the, the my favorite topics, and that is money. <laughs> and it's people who have money, and it's potential ideal clients who have money. We're talking all about affluent clients, aka clients who can afford you, you know, and then some. And how to attract them. And of course, everybody that comes on the show has their own little paradigm and you have your own, Melissa Galt. But before we get in here and have this conversation, tell us a little bit about yourself and what makes you an expert and we'll dig in. 
I have got 30 years in the field in my own interior design practice. So I've been at this for a long time and I've been coaching for 15 of those years unofficially before that. So I love the business of design. I actually love the business of design even more than design itself, which is why coaching is 95% of my business, soon to be 110% of my business, because (laughs) I apparently just do everything in excess. (laughs) But um, I love showing designers how to earn more in less time and love their businesses a whole lot more because design, you get in because you love it. You get in because you want to be creative. You get in because... You want to just have fun, and then the business enters, and it becomes not fun. <laughs> oh, Lord, don't I know that. That's that's exactly what happened, and I like to say it's kind of like going to Disney World and working at Disney World is the, 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 yeah. the difference between there. But you and I have a lot in common because I love the business of design. I love the marketing of design, So, and it just kind of segued into a, a natural uh, direction. I, unbeknownst to me, I didn't know that was going to happen. Maybe the same happened for you. So today we're talking, like I said, about how to attract affluent clients, and we're going to dive in from the get-go. So you're an interior designer, you're listening to the show. First of all, let's talk about who these clients are. Affluent clients, um, you'd be surprised at how many there are, and you'd be surprised at how not obvious they are. Because it's very rarely the ones that are flashy, wearing labels, driving fancy cars, living at fancy addresses. In fact, in many cases, they are the ones who are all flash and no cash. And you've got to be careful about making those judgments. So they really are the ones that are earning and not spending as much as the flash spend. And they're very selective in where they place their money, where they make their investments. I don't believe in using the word spend because spend has no return on it, no ROI. So you'll find I use the word invest, investing, invested, investing. And that's what makes the difference. Whether they're millionaires next door, and I've had the pleasure of working with a number of those, or whether they are the dinks, dual income, no kids, you got two professionals, you got no kids, you got a lot more investable income. Kids are a word I never use, expensive. Because <laughs> they just are. That's why I don't have any. Um, I'm right there with you. Right there with you. And, and the cat doesn't cost much. But then there are also those that had families and did extremely well in business and they made a point of investing their monies and so that they don't have to work anymore and they're fully retired and they can have that second home, that third home and have fun with it mm-hmm. and want to hire a designer because they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it themselves. They want it taken off their plate. You know, I find the same, even in the marketing world, Melissa, which is there's a parallel here and it's not the flashy followers. It's not the people that make a lot of noise that usually pick up the phone and call our interior design clients. It's the ones who have just been stalking you silently <laughs> for for a couple of years that pick up the phone and pull the trigger. And it's not the people who are the squeaky wheels so much. I think that's kind of interesting. And when I was doing full-time interior design, I found that as well with the clients who seem to have the bigger budgets, very unassuming. Assuming. Not flashy, yes. not flashy. Just they put their money where their mouth is. And that that's what we want. So you have in here, there's three different affluent client personas or avatars. Do you have those broken down like imaginary characters or, or what does that look like? Well, there's actually nine. Oh, okay. 
There's nine overall, and there are five primary groups of avatars. So there's there's a lot of depth and a lot of detail that I created based on my personal experience and that of the clients that I've worked with. So I've had the privilege of working with a lot of different types of affluent clients, and those personal experiences really helped me a lot. So the most common is the millionaires next door. Okay. They're the most unassuming. And they're the ones who interestingly will want to do a piece of things themselves often. And they're also the most educatable into the next level of option, the next level of service, the next level of product. They're very much about always learning, always growing their knowledge base. And they are interested in latest, greatest, if it's the right choice for them. They won't do it just for flash. Uh, They're very grounded, very down to earth, often very family centric, and they're not flashy. But they're great clients to have because they're very loyal. Would you say this is the number one desirable avatar for most designers or? I would would say they are. Okay. The second would probably be the... They got rich quick and they're, and they're fast spenders. So it's fast spenders of quick riches. These are often star athletes. They're often star musicians, you, you know, big, big hit wonder sort of thing. Could be an entrepreneur who had the startup that hit the market at the right time or the startup just took off. The tricky part about these folks is, They're often playing a catch-up game. They don't come from a background of wealth and quality in their cultural upbringing. So they're left to their own devices. They're going to select things that are more flash and not necessarily of quality. So you need to educate them into quality if that's where you want them to go. You also need to make sure you get all of your money up front (laughs) early on. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously. It sounds terrible, but my experience with these, they were so sweet. Loved him. He was a former pro basketball player, had blown out his knees, unbeknownst to me and unbeknownst to him apparently at the time. It was uncovered while we were working together that he had been swindled significantly. This is not unusual for them, by the way. Swindled significantly of his earnings to do with some poor money management. And they wound up having to sell the home. Fortunately, I was fully paid, but they wound up having to sell the home and declare bankruptcy and downhill slide from there. This is not an unusual story. It makes me sad, but it's, it's not an unusual story. So, you know, if you're in for that game, just, I always advocate that you are paid in advance of services. I don't know if you're watching, if you're familiar, there's a series on Hulu. It's called, it's either called Tommy and Pam or Pam and Tommy about Pamela Anderson and Tommy. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's not for kids, folks, but he's a, he's a drummer for Motley Crue in the movie and in Mm -hmm. real life. And he, he totally just, those contractors, he just sent them away and didn't pay them. (laughs) Yeah. Is this an ideal client for any designer? This, this avatar? Well, it, I mean, it can be if you're willing to play at that level. What I also noticed was for me that there was another one that was a a football player. And I went into the home to do the home review piece. And there were beautiful Carrera marble floors. He wanted to replace those with blue stained hardwood. Now, I was having a bit of trouble with this. And I was thinking to myself, okay. I would too. 
is this a project that I would want to put my name on? Is this a project that I want to say I did? It doesn't matter how much money I'm going to make if I'm not proud of it. So it actually worked out well. He didn't get the position he was up for and he got transferred out to another team in another state. And I was like, whew, uh, dodge that bullet. So, you know, there's, there's obviously you get to be selective in who you work with. And I'm a big advocate for you select your clients as much as they select you, yeah. especially on the affluent side. All righty. So what would you say is your, uh, let's say if we're rounding out the top three avatars of affluent clients, and then we'll get into how, you know, what you think we need to do to attract them, what would your third be? The sinks and dinks. The what? So single income, no kids, and dual income, no kids. Kids are a big investment. When you don't have kids, it makes a huge difference. My best clients, with rare exception, have all been sinks and dinks. Sinks and dinks. That, that's my, that was my target avatar for my design business. And nine times out of 10, that's what I got. Loved it, loved it. It helps, Darla, because you're a sink. I'm a sink also. <laughs> you're actually, I think, a dink. I'm a sink. But now just wait one damn minute. <laughs> <laughs> we attract who we are. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. That's 100% true. My marketing was that way too. I projected that part of my personality, that part of my interest, that part of the design work I did, and that's what I got. Okay, so sinks and dinks. Okay, well... <laughs> so here we have the the top three, the, the millionaire next door, the quick buck athlete or rock star or Motley Crue drummer, and the sinks and the dinks. So let's say that we're out there and we're like, okay, we described one of the target avatars that we'd love to work with. There are designers out there who would love to just go design for the whole, you know, Miami Dolphins. That could happen. How are we attracting these three clients? Are there different methods for each one or are we throwing out some shotgun stuff? No, the key is to have your messaging nailed down and to dive deeply into the profile of what they look like and what their value systems are and speak directly to those value systems. So if you wanted to work with all three, it would be tough to do because your messaging through social media, through your website is not going to attract all three. There's obviously very different messaging that's going to attract the millionaires next door, which are very low key, private, confidential versus the fast spenders of quick riches who are kind of the antithesis of that. So you, you have to make a decision. Now, my fast spenders of quick riches found me. I wasn't targeting them. I was always more open to sink stinks, millionaires next door, super comfortable for me because I like really grounded low-key, not the super flash clients. That's me. But some of the flash found me and, and they wanted to work with me. And so I explored those options. But if you wanted the other way around, if you wanted to work strictly with the flash, your site would represent that. The interiors that you showcased on your site would look like interiors they would want to have. And those would be very different than the more subdued, quiet confidence Millionaires next door. Right. And you know what the funny thing is, is that you guys might be out there listening saying, well, why can't I attract all three? And the messaging on my website. But the problem is, is when you want to be all things to all people, you really end up being nothing to nobody. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. right. That niching in and figuring out who is going to drive better with your personality, who you're going to enjoy working with out of any of these three, or to be, to be fair, any avatar that you come up that you want to work with. And these are three, for examples, it's so important. You do have to pick one and you have to figure out what your positioning is 
in the market in order to attract them. And I like that you said speaking to their values. I've had a, a several guests on, especially when it comes to attracting higher-end clients. And, and higher-end clients, clients that have a bigger budget, they really do, to your point, want to spend money on things that they value. Like if biophilic design or if it has some kind of underlying, you know, greater good or something that, that really ties into their belief system and their value system, again, at the risk of being redundant there. So it's a, it's a terrific point. So how do you research your persona to determine, okay, this is their value system? Well, start with the book. <laughs> um, because I wrote the book to make this easier for oh, okay, you. Good. And then next, take a look within the clients that you've worked with mm -hmm. and see if you can identify two or three, at least, that fall into this bucket and have conversations with them. You know, if you didn't get the intel at the front end of a project, if you don't have a client intake, if you don't know enough, get them by email, get them on the phone and say, hey, you know what? I realized that I'd like to know a bit more about you because I'd love to have three more of you as clients. <laughs> yeah. Would you mind investing just 10, 15 minutes with me and answering a few questions? And, and more often than not, they're going to be curious and they'll say, sure, I'd be happy to do that. My millionaires next door with almost no exception were entrepreneurial. They all had their own businesses and they were significant businesses. They were not a business of one. They were businesses of large teams, large groups of employees, that sort of thing. So that also makes a difference. I found that for me, I didn't resonate well with corporate clients. I don't come from a corporate client background. I don't come from a corporate background in my personal life. And the politicking that goes on in corporate, I find challenging to work with. And I only want to work with decision makers. And many times corporate clients that would come to my doorstep of my business, there would be the decision maker that I dealt with, but then there would be the check writer. And I was like, well, wait, I want one person. I don't want to have my messaging translated to the other person. And then I hope that gets through. Wingnut Social is now accepting full-service clients for social media management. If you are overwhelmed and don't know what, when, where, or why to post, or even if you're just too damn busy and don't want to spend your precious $300 an hour design time on Facebook and Instagram posting ineffective content, then head on over to wingnutsocial.com. Hiring Wingnut Social is a no-brainer, and I'll tell you why. Because you're going to have your very own digital marketing team for your firm without the payroll taxes, the workers' comp, the health insurance, the 401ks, the sick days, or the drama, or the headaches. And we are the very best at what we do. And that is no joke. You can go check out the reviews, wingnutsocial.com, real marketing, real results, wingnutsocial.com. Right. So it's funny that you say the the client with the the larger companies. I had a 
a designer who came to us. She's a client of ours now. She's she's currently doing a strategy with us. And she was very specific about, I want to work with clients who are, she didn't say millionaires next door, but it was business owners who have at least 25 employees, 25 to 50 employees. <laughs> she had it nailed down. And to the audience out there who's listening, I want you to listen to Melissa really carefully and just see. And we, have, we haven't even just started. We're into this 15 minutes. How detailed she is with the clients, you know, that Melissa wants to work with, that she wants to work with there. She has it down to, you know, what kind of business, how many employees, and you do have to do that. You really do have to do that. So what are five to seven things that these clients in general are looking for when hiring a designer? What else are we speaking to? Well, they're going to be, I hate to use the term judging you, but they are judging you on not just how you're showing up, but they're judging you on what you look like, what you drive, what your business presence is. They're judging, they're assessing everything. I like the word assessing better than judging. (laughs) Um, but, But they are taking it all in. They're seeing if you are fully aligned. They're also seeing if you are going to provide the confidentiality that they want because they don't want their name splashed everywhere. They don't want their project splashed everywhere. So they they appreciate quiet confidence. They appreciate communication and clarity mm-hmm. and consistency in that. You don't have to be available constantly, but when you are available, you have to be complete in your communications. That what they're looking for right there, that seems like it'd be more applicable for the millionaires next door for what they're looking for, the quiet confidence kind of designer. So I'm thinking that the designer who's, who's going to go design for Pamela and Tommy, that's a different thing that they're looking for now, or, or are we talking in general? Pamela and Tommy have to be the stars of the show. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So they're not looking to be upstaged by their designer. Now, they may want a designer of flash that they can say, I'm working with. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. And they would be doing that. But you have to be careful you don't upstage a Pamela and Tommy. <laughs> <I don't> th- <laughs> Are you watching that show? You did say you were, right? Can you believe it? I've, I've seen the <laughs> I show, I don't yes. think anyone's upstaging that. I love Sebastian Stan, too, by the way. Anyway, segue. Okay, so how can designers... Um, let's say they're they're going after one of these target avatars or a target avatar that they're really working on. How can they work smarter, not harder, earn more by doing less with these affluent clients? Get really clear on where to meet and connect with these folks and who's who's already serving them that isn't competing with you as a designer. So who are they already going to? I, I like to do this matrix where I take... Who's working with them before design? Who's working with them while they're doing design with you? And who's working with them afterwards? And then you put together your very own circle of influence, which I call a profit posse, to connect with these people because they have the clients that you want. The profit posse, I'm sorry. (laughs) It works, doesn't it? (laughs) Alliterative always makes it easy to remember. That's why I use we got terms sinks like that. and dinks and profit posses, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, sinks and dinks, I didn't make up. That's been around in marketing speak for decades upon <laughs> That's decades. That's a new one on me. I will say, I have not heard sinks and dinks in the, uh, in really? the digital world. No, not in the digital Yeah, world. I didn't make that one up. <laughs> profit posse, I made up. I created that one. The key is to really find out who's already got your clients that you can connect with, that you can create a relationship with. 
rather than trying to stand over here going, here I am, here I am, which doesn't work. (laughs) You want to get in front of traffic that's already flowing and that is your ideal client going to someone else and co-market, co-promote, create opportunities for introductions. I'm always more than happy to share introductions to my clients, to other service providers that I know, like, and trust that I know handle clients like them. So the same thing applies to the people that I refer to. Mm -hmm. That's one really simple way. The other simple way is to look at your lifestyle. What is it you most like to do? And then do it at the next level or five levels up. So if you love wine tasting, instead of going to the free wine tasting or the $50 wine tasting, go to the $250 a person wine dinner. You get a much higher likelihood of rubbing elbows with affluent potential clients. Or like a designer I'm coaching in Florida, she and her husband are going to a $15,000 per couple event where she is going to rub shoulders and elbows with potential clients who are obviously at the level she works at. That's a big investment. <laughs> it is, but it only takes one one client for her to her to completely pay for it. Mm-hmm. And it's a business development expense. Yeah, that's true. It, it does only take, $15,000 does seem like a lot, but one client more than pays for that. Plus, you know, you know that you can have a nice time and, and get something out of it. I, I do like that idea and rubbing the elbows, you know, in those places. And it, it, it's not an inexpensive undertaking. You just can't go in for free. You can't go into the free buffet and get the high-end clients, I'm guessing. No. <laughs> no, you can't. Now, actually, there is a level of affluent client that attends the free buffet. <laughs> I have worked with them a couple of times. I don't recommend working with them. <laughs> Enough. Said. They're serious penny pinchers. Enough. Said. Not fun. Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit. So networking is key. Networking and being in these circles is key, hundred percent. But there is a place for getting affluent clients on social media and in digital marketing. And I know that there's a school of thought out there, Frontier Design, that says no, you can't. You you can't do it. And there's, in fact, there's even some relatively popular business coaches that are like, no, you're not going to get clients. You're not going to get high-end clients from Instagram. And I almost want to pull my hair out every time. And it's not just because I'm in the business for that. It's just because I have clients and I have friends who are getting a steady stream of really big budget projects from Instagram. Because I don't know, like we, we think of we think of high-end people as those those magical people who are unattainable and touchable. They're just people. They put on pants and they're on they're on Instagram and they're on Facebook get scoping you out as much as anyone else. So getting your networking, of course, that's nothing's ever going to replace that human connection. You can't replace it entirely, right? But you have to f- keep that pipeline and keep that brand visibility and that awareness out in digital marketing. I'll sing that till the cows come home. But I, what is your opinion on that on digital marketing to round out a strategy for attracting you know clients of means? Well, I want to share two things. First of all, I don't consider it networking because nobody wants to network. I consider it net living. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And it's net living because these are the things you like to do. Like if you didn't like wine tasting, I don't want you going to wine tasting events. That's stupid. Can we go to whiskey tasting? Just asking. Yes. Asking for a friend. Absolutely. I would rather you pursued something that you already enjoyed and made this align with yourself and your interests. I absolutely advocate social media, particularly Instagram. I have clients who are doing well on it. I have clients who absolutely refuse. It's very frustrating. (laughs) It's frustrating as hell. It's really frustrating. But, you know, I was 
speaking to builders a couple of weeks ago, Southern Living Custom Builders in Kiwa Island. And it was interesting because a subset of those builders were absolutely rocking social media and routinely pulling buyers for one to five plus million dollar homes from social media. And they originally had not thought that was going to be possible until one of their conferences pre-COVID showed them that it was, and a couple of them, or more than a couple, probably five or six of them really adopted it. And they're rocking it. And it's making a huge difference because it's out there 24-7. Because to me, Google is no longer the search engine we turn to. It's Instagram and Facebook. It is. And even if you have a Google search and you have a presence, say you're looking up Darla Palantir's or whatever, you're, you'll show up on Google, but so will your Instagram, so will your Facebook. People are going there because they really want to get, they want to get a feel of what you are day to day, of the, the human, of the, you know, the business and what's going on. It's just, it's amazing. I, it's refreshing to hear you say that. It really is. And we have, we have clients at Wingnut that, I mean, we check, uh, we do community management on behalf of our clients so we can see the DMs, we can see the leads come in. And you just see them just lead after another. And we're emailing our clients, hey, someone else is interested in this project. And I just when I hear any other person in this industry say, don't even bother with social media, I just like, oh, (laughs) such a... And I'm the reverse. I think you have to have it. Even if you're at this place and, and there are a lot of designers who say, oh, I'm word of mouth. I'm strictly referrals. Well, that's great. But did you realize that some of those referrals have probably checked you out on IG and then came to you, (laughs) but didn't mention the IG step in there? Exactly. How did you hear about us? Oh, I don't. I found you online. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I know that it's a social proof. It's it's where they go to creep you out to see how you speak to your clients, speak to your followers. Anyway, I'm I'm beating a dead horse. I mean, I don't want it to seem like that's the Wingnut social media marketing show, but um, it kind of is, isn't it? Wait a minute. I want to get back to, you know, your methods and stuff uh, for attracting affluent clients as well, aside from the digital marketing, which has been very helpful so far. You did mention that you had a book to make this easier for interior designers. Uh, What is that and where can we find it? The book is Marketing Luxury Design, Attracting Affluent Clients. And it's easy to snag. You cannot go to Amazon for it. You have to go to marketingluxurydesign.com. And I hand inscribe each book personally. I also include a personal thank you note, sprinkle a few gold stars, and it comes in a gold padded envelope. (laughs) It's a luxury experience in and of itself. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice touch. Very nice touch. That's a very affluent experience. (laughs) It is a very affluent experience. Well said, Darla. (laughs) Melissa, is there anything I've uh, forgotten to ask you on this topic that you want to share with the audience before we get into the What Up Winged It round? Well, I think that the key to remember is that with affluent clients, when you really can take a deep dive into your own lifestyle, look at the things you love. I have a client who loves horseback riding. She had given up horseback riding because her business was taking too much time. And I said, Jenna, where have you gotten most of your fabulous clients? You know, the clients that are giving you two homes and you're working in Chicago and then you're flying down to Florida. And she said, huh, hmm, they've all come from riding. I said, go get a horse. <laughs> so within our first two weeks of coaching, she went and leased a horse. A year, a year later, she bought Ernie. The business bought Ernie. So now when she rides, her business is emblazoned on the horse 
And that's her number one source of leads. That is amazing. So doing what you love at a higher level will deliver the affluent clients that you must want in a very aligned and authentic way. I love that. What a terrific way to end that portion of the show. Well done. Melissa Galt, now I have to ask you, are you ready for the What Up Wingnut round? I am. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Well, because I'm an advocate of cremation and I want to be sprinkled out of a hot air balloon, it's going to say hashtag up, up, and away. (laughs) You're stuck on a deserted island, but you can have your one favorite food. What's it going to be? Avocado. Oh, okay. Very healthy. Very healthy. And that would sustain you because it's very calorie and nutrient dense. Well, it's because it's served hot and cold. It can be an appetizer, an entree, or a dessert because lime avocado pie is absolutely unbelievable. I'm right. Hold on. I'm writing that down. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just add to my... No no baking required. Has sweetened condensed milk and a graham cracker crust. Oh, that sounds amazing. Last but not least, please recommend a book that has had an impact on you either personally or professionally. Paul Arden's, he's long gone. Um, It's not how good you are. It's how good you want to be. All right. I love it. Why'd you like that one? It's a quick read and every page is a game changer and a mind twister. All right. Good enough. Melissa Galt, please tell the wingnuts listening where they can go to find out more about you and then we will bid you adieu. You can go to melissagalt.com and at melissagalt on every social network. You can also check out the book at marketingluxurydesign.com. Awesome. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us, guys. If you want to find out more about Melissa, also you can go to wingnutsocial.com slash podcast, this episode number 252, and you can see the show notes and get all those links in case you couldn't write them down for whatever reason. Although, Melissa Galt, it's pretty easy to remember. <laughs> Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a million for allowing me to be here. Okay, so what if you want to attract the millionaire football player next door who's flashy but has no kids? <laughs> what would that be? Would that be the uh, the flashy millionaire sink dink? <laughs> All right, clearly these avatars are kind of like a Mr. Potato Head, right? A plug and a play. These are three very common types of avatars in the affluent space. And I think Melissa gave us some really good advice on how to attract them. And one of the main things that stood out to me just in my own mind, recalling our interview just a few minutes ago, actually, is that you cannot go after all three at once. You have to pick, you have to pick a lane, pick who it is that you're going to want to work with, whether it's one of these three avatars or another avatar that you've managed to come up with that you like to work with that makes your life not a living hell, (laughs) which is super important, right? You don't want to be in business and be miserable. You want to work with people that you enjoy. And we've said that a million times and we'll say it a million more. We're going to beat that into your head until you get it because your messaging can't be just all over the place. You cannot be all things to all people. You really do just have to take that leap, dive in, pick that niche and go for it. And I love that she said, do something that you enjoy doing whether it's wine tasting, whiskey tasting, horseback riding, that you like to do for fun, but maybe just step it up a notch and meet those people and rub elbows and rub shoulders with people who would be in a position to hire an interior designer, which in and of itself is not an inexpensive undertaking, right? So you're going to have people with some expendable income at least, and 
put your sights on those design clients who can afford to pay to have your kids go to Harvard. (laughs) All right, guys, don't forget our webinar on February the 24th with the fabulous Linda Holt. She's going to show you how to take photos with your smartphone that's going to get you on the cover of Architectural Digest. Photos will not necessarily be on the cover of Architectural Digest. (laughs) How awesome would that be, right? And not necessarily saying you're going to get on the cover of Architectural Digest, but... Linda Holt is an interior designer, photographer actually turned interior designer, and she's got all kinds of cool techniques and tricks and apps up her sleeve to help you guys with marketing your interior design business visually, which is so important for our industry. So again, February 24th at 11 a.m., our first in a series of monthly webinars going forward. Follow us on Instagram at Wingnut Social to get the updates on when and where those are, and those are free as hail, free of charge. That's it for this week, guys. Thank you for listening. Remember, get out there, get uncomfortable, and be great. You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head on over to wingnutsocial.com to see how we can help you take your business from social mediocre to social media master. I had to do that voice effect there because I was getting ready to lose my voice. I was like, ah, might as well roll with it. Use the schmutz to your advantage, I always say. You're going to just inflate like a balloon and sail off in the right. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. All right. All right. I've getting. Uh, I've getting. I've get. I've been getting. I love her, Bert, and I love her. I love her. I love her, Mom. (laughs) All right, I'm almost done here. (laughs) Good boy, Mango.